Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. Uh, gentlemen, the, uh, we have reached the finish line. <laughs> Finally. Uh, it has been a, it's been a, a long, arduous march to this point, but nevertheless, folks, we are here and we have the, uh, the first week of high school football for our 5A and 6A programs on the horizon. It gets going on Thursday. We are uh, obviously putting a, getting all our ducks in the row for this week and just uh, you kind of forget in the moment just how uh, how much work goes into preparing <laughs> for just the uh, just the opening week and obviously we've still uh, you know we've got plenty of you know plenty of season ahead of us but um but yes it is um it is finally here and that means that we are now down to the last of our uh, of our five part season preview we have um we've spent the past uh in the past month i guess each each week touching on four different questions just previewing various aspects of our high school football coverage and whatnot so we've got uh, we got four more so um yes yeah, some questions talking about some more kind of some some big picture discussions as far as teams that could potentially do a little bit of damage this season and then um and we're going to close out with um i always love to see what um we have the uh, the very last question a, a bold prediction from everybody on something for the uh, for high school football this season so we'll um we'll get to that in a uh, in a bit so um let's nevertheless so let's start um again with a uh, with a big picture question this one at the district level and this one actually i had to rack my brain for a bit on this one this was not an easy question who are the unquestioned district favorites in our coverage area? I had a really tough time my, with this, this one. This is not easy my, at all. My, my answer was easy. None. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I, I mean I'm sorry. I, I, I cover essentially seven districts. I mean, my teams are spread out around seven districts that I kind of looked yeah. at for this question. And that was my answer. None. There is no clear-cut favorite. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could just go down the list real quick. Mm-hmm. 96A, Saxe and Wiley. <laughs> they, shared the, their, they shared their title last year. The co-favorites again this year. 10-6A, Rockwall. You you could kind of make an argument, except for the fact that they lost the best player in the state last year, and and obviously lost their head coach. And Rockwell Heath is a team with 17 returning starters, so I think those two are are the kind of there. Five A is even okay. Lone Star didn't rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) Longview or Highland Park, yeah, for sure. Um, You know, even you you dip into six five A Division two, Poteet and Sock. Mm -hmm. I think are the two unquestioned favorites there, but. The separation between those schools, you just don't know. Um, you know, Frisco and Denison. Frisco is the favorite, but Denison beat them last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and even going down to, to, to 4A, Sunnyvale and Cattlemas. I mean, Sunnyvale has ruled that district in recent years. Um, but they got off to an 0-3 start, albeit against really good competition. Mm-hmm. And Cattle Mills has been one of those programs that's kind of trended up okay. um, in recent years. So, whereas, you know, at this time last year, you know, everybody would have said Sunnyvale is going to run away with it. And they did. This year is a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like at least at the even at the top, 
there's a lot of pair. There's a lot of guys, a lot of contenders. Uh, as you guys said, it was it was hard to come up with one. Did you come up with one? I did come okay. up with one. <laughs> I'll get to I'll get to my one. David, did you kind of reach the same little roadblock that uh, that we did as far as there really isn't really that many unquestioned, if any, unquestioned district favorites in our coverage area? I am on the same long line as you guys right there. Okay. I did not find one unquestioned <laughs> district favorite out there, even though. There was like at least one team last year that went undefeated in the district, which is Marcus and Six yeah. A right there. But I, even then, the the two games that they had two games that were really close. So, you know, Flower Mound, I think that was what only a three point game mm-hmm. right there. Oh yeah, they had a number of games that were really close. Yeah, and then Capel, that uh, was only fifteen to seven game right there. Mm-hmm. And Capel, like they they started four sophomores, you know, the majority of last year, and you know they're returning a lot of kids this year. So mm-hmm. you know that game could be up in the balance right there. I um because you know for forever it feels like you just kind of started the year. It was just fait accompli that a team like Allen yeah. or a team like Frisco Lone Star was just going to run their district. Allen's won a district championship, I believe, every year since 2006. 2005 was, I think, the last time they did not win a district championship, but they're in the same district as Denton Geyer. How can yeah. you make an objective <laughs> uh-huh. case that one is better than the other right now? It's no one knows. And it's, you know, those, I mean, they're what, Geyer's ranked number five in the state in the preseason rankings. Allen's number six. So again, we'll obviously they'll get a chance to settle it later on in district play, but for the time being, like, no, it wouldn't shock anybody yeah. if Geyer won that game or vice versa and whatnot. And you mentioned the same thing with um, you know, with Marcus. And yeah, like they, they ran the table in 6-6-A last season. But you look at, I mean, I'll even go a step further. Every single game they played against basically a non-Irving ISD school, because you can kind of throw those out and just you automatically chalk that up as a 5-6 to six touchdown win. I mean, they beat Hebron by 10 points. They beat Capel by 8 points in overtime. Mm-hmm. They beat Flower Mound by 3. They beat Louisville by 6, also in overtime. I mean, that, uh, and after a while, I guess you kind of do develop that, uh, that, that mental fortitude to kind of remain calm in those moments and just kind of push all the right buttons. But, I mean, I think we anticipate that district being pretty competitive once again this season, and it wouldn't shock me if just the ball bounces a different way a time or two for Marcus this season. There's other really, really good teams in that district. So basically, should we just rephrase this question? Like, is there a favorite in the district, not an unquestioned favorite? But I did say that I have one. So there was one team, though, that I do feel all right about, you know, about their chances of running the table coming out on top in their district, and that is Salina. Salina, um, you know, they're uh, it's kind of a uh, a bit of a deceiving record that they have right now. They are just one and three. You know, it's been a long, long time since Salina started the season zero and three. I think maybe back in the eighties, based on what I've been able to track down. But um, but you look at who they played. Um, you know, they lost games to Melissa and Paris, two games in which they had a lead in the fourth quarter, and those are two very, very solid programs. Then they uh, they lost to Argyle, thirty-five to twenty-one. You look at what no Argyle Argyle's number one in the state. You look at what Argyle's no done. Though to the rest of the of the rest what of their they schedule, just did to La Vega. Oh yeah, they, they demolished La Vega, and maybe they were obviously a little bit more jazz for that game than they yeah. were against Salina, just given the history between you know um, you know La Vega and Argyle dating back to these last couple seasons and whatnot. But I mean, in in hindsight, it looks like Salina's played Argyle as tough as as tough yep. as you possibly can right mm-hmm. now. It is a fascinating what if. So I was at that game, like that was a that was a one score game inside the final minute of the first half, and Salina was backed up deep in its own territory. And, you know, they're looking to, again, just punt the ball away and theoretically just, you know, go to the half, you know, down seven and you'll see what happens. Argyle was able to block that punt and then they got the ball on the one yard line and then scored with like nine seconds left in the half to go up 14. So it's who knows? I mean, what, what it would take to actually get over the hump in that game. But I would have been fascinated to know if so in a one score game, it felt like Salina had started doing some nice things on defense. You know, really the first time all season that a team has really kind of pushed back and made Argyle sweat a bit. Just what happens in that game. But never. 
nevertheless, though, Solana, despite being just one in three, they, um, I mean, they finally got off the schneid in a big way. They scored through their first three games of the season. They totaled 48 points, and then they beat Paul Pewitt on Friday, 55 to zero. <laughs> and they're, um, I mean, and this is Paul Pewitt, the uh, the 3A Division II runner-up last season. So a quality program. Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's still obviously a lot of talent on Solana. They're playing a little shorthanded right now. They're down six starters. Coach says it's all due to injuries, no COVID, and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, Solana's, you know, despite being shorthanded these last couple weeks, including against uh, against uh, against Argyle, they, um, I mean, they've still got plenty of talent. Their receiving core is really impressive. Um, quarterback Noah Bentley, just a sophomore, he was actually their backup, but he was he got the start against Paul Pewitt. He accounted for six of their touchdowns in that win. They got a lot of talent on defense, especially up front. That's, I mean, that's been a constant even in these tough losses that their front their front seven's played spectacular. So I think Salina's got a chance to run the table in their district. You know, Aubrey and Sanger also in that district are undefeated at four and zero. But you look at the schedules; the majority of those wins have come against winless teams, not teams that are ranked number one in the state. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I like Salina to kind of right the ship and just kind of keep riding this. Once they get through this challenging preseason schedule. Then uh, I feel like they'll um, they're they're in a pretty good position to run the table in that district. Because mm-hmm. outside of that, though, I mean, we don't <laughs> technically cover them, but obviously, over in six five eight Division One, where you have Newman Smith and R L Turner, there might not be a more mismatched district for a team like Lancaster than being <laughs> yeah. in the district with. Yeah. I mean, they're the only team in that district that won more than four games last season. Ouch. Ouch. They're uh, yeah. I mean, they play Skyline to start the year, and just because of the size of that district, that's the only non district game that they get. So. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of pretty ugly scores with you know with Lancaster, CFBISD, and then some of those Dallas ISD schools. Mm-hmm. But that's another one. But yeah. yeah, though, I just it's it's different just because the usual suspects. There's just there's another team in that district due to realignment yeah. that has mm-hmm. just completely recalibrated the way that you have to discuss them in terms of the district title picture. Yeah. We can move on to the next question, though, and this is where I think so, some of those teams can at least be brought up and discussed, and that is who are the legitimate state title contenders in our coverage area? So whereas some of those teams, you might not win your district because you have another top five ranked team that you're jockeying sides with there for, uh, for the district title, though, once the playoffs start, once you get into the you know the divisional alignments and whatnot, it can all change. So um, where did you guys land as far as potential state title contenders in our coverage area? I am going to go to one that that's always in the discussion. It's got to be Allen. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, they haven't, uh, they've won district every year since 2006 and mm. their last district's loss, I think came in 2010. Yes. Against Hebron. Hebron. Yeah. Yeah. So d- 10 years without a district loss, you know, and that many, God, that's, years, that's such a, ridiculous that's, a, that's impressive. <laughs> and like, think about how many quarterbacks you've had over that time too. You know, right. You know, last year you had Raylan Sharp and mm. this year, you know, you, uh, you have a couple guys like, uh, General Booty, I think you it said. It sounds like General Booty is going to be the guy. That's at least from what I've been able to discern. It sounds like he's one out in that yeah. competition. And, of course, like it seems like they're going to have another, you know, you know, with that size of a school, they can bring in all the talent that they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got the Green Twins, and then um, you got a Hawaii commit and Jordan Johnson right there. Yeah. You know, he had a spectacular playoff game, you know, almost 200 yards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that still that crazy stat that I – like was like 188 yards on seven touches. Yeah. Seven touches. Yeah. 188 yards and three touchdowns on seven touches. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in concert with you. Just just off reputation. Now, granted, like it's – as we've talked about on previous episodes, Allen's not without its question marks this year just because, yeah. again, we'll, we have to see. It sounds like the quarterback situation though has been resolved, so that's at least one step in the right direction. Yeah. This, I mean, they're still having to replace ten defensive starters, mm-hmm. nine of whom were named to the all district team, but history says that they tend to reload on that side of the ball pretty seamlessly. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's it's an entirely different equation though each season, so it doesn't necessarily guarantee you'll be able to do the same this year. Um, we'll f- we'll learn early on what Allen is because I mean they're uh, you know they should they should have their way with Plano East in their opener, but after that though you bring in Atascacita, they're ranked in the top fifteen. Cedar as Hill. is Cedar Hill, they're also ranked in the top fifteen. They got you know probably the best quarterback that, uh, that Jayden, they might. Caden Salter. Yeah, Caden Salter. Yeah, it's probably yeah. the best quarterback Allen will see during the regular season. Um, yeah, it'll be uh, so yeah these next these first three weeks are going to tell us a lot about what Allen is. Um, so, but yes, just off precedent. I mean, they had obviously last year. You know, you lose in the second round that snapped a seven year run of advancing to at least the state semifinals. Just off track record, though, they have to be mentioned as far as being a, a state title contender. Even though they are in a different region this time, so it's I mean you're no longer in Region Two, so it means you do have to now worry about some of those roadblocks with the Arlington schools. You know, Martin and Arlington High are always strong. Euless mm-hmm. Trinity is Euless Trinity, and then of course you look one spot below Allen in the state rankings South Lake Carroll maybe yep. the best quarterback in the country with Quinn Ewers Texas commit yeah um, that's a team that's been right on the doorstep in recent years and they just had a tough they just got Duncanville so <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but Duncanville DeSoto Cedar Hill they're over in region two so you wouldn't have to worry about seeing any of those schools until the state semifinals so it's yep. um it's a bit of a different roadmap but naturally just because Allen's Allen though you have to mention them mm-hmm. and I'd imagine at the Sith at the 5a level gotta mention Lone Star right Devin oh yeah that was that was the one that, that yeah. sprung to mind first, um, a team that we've talked a lot about here these last few weeks. Um, you know, Marvin Mims, obviously, the it's just everybody knows what he did last year in mm-hmm. setting state and national records. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so obviously it's, that's, a, that's a hole you're not going to be able to just fill with one person. But they have just their personnel, especially on offense, that, you know, Garrett Rangel coming back off after the season he had, throwing for over 4,500 yards. And, uh, you know, Jaden Nixon is, is a really nice running back, averaging nearly nine yards per carry. Uh, even without Marvin Mims, they have playmakers all over, they do. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, in that receiving core. Uh, you know, Trace Bruckler um, is probably going to be the lead guy going forward. But there's four or five other guys that showed their flash, their potential last year to step into more of a starring role. You can't, it's that going to be one of those situations where, like, I mean, it didn't matter if you double teamed Marfred Mims last year anyway, yeah. he's still going to make the catch. Um, but you can't focus on one guy. And I think, I think with the, the running dimension that Jaden Nixon has, uh, their defense is solid. They, you know, they have five guys back. They're all five of them were all district guys last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're deep, you know, especially for a 5A program. They got depth that a lot of – some other 5A programs don't have. So, you know, and, and you look at their track record. You know, last year, you know, they, they, they've made solid runs. They've for won, sure. you know, district titles, you know, for the last five years. Uh, and but this, this also could be a case where they finish second in their district and um, still are able oh, to yeah. make a sustained run because we, we just mentioned the, you know, the, the Ryan factor. But, I mean – it's going to be really interesting to see how that playoff bracket shakes up um, because that's – That's a, such, a, such a tough region. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, yeah. again, and one of the other – you know, poor West Mesquite, I, I bring that up because, you know, they got, okay, well, we don't have to play Lancaster this year. Oh, wait, instead we're going to move Highland Park and Longview in. <laughs> oh, well, great. That's going to make things a lot easier. But, you know, with, with those two and the Lancaster, yeah. with all those just teams lurking in there, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see how that bracket plays mm-hmm. out, and and because you're going you're going to have some colossal heavyweight matchups early oh, yeah. in the playoffs. Um, but I think you know I think Lone Star again. I think they have the pieces to make a run. 
again, we're gonna it's gonna take a couple, all these teams a couple weeks to to kind of round into form and hit their stride. Uh, and it's gonna be who's who gets hot and and whatnot. But I, I certainly think Lone Star is is gonna be right there with them. Down at the uh, at the private school level, I would be remiss if I didn't mention John Paul II. Yeah. Obviously, a lot was made last year of their uh, just their historic run. You know, so many firsts for that program last year. Their first ever playoff win uh, that they obviously parlayed then into an appearance in the state championship game. Uh, Parish Episcopal just had way too much for them that day, and Parish Episcopal is ranked number one in the state um, at the private school level for very good reasons. Still got Preston Stone, the I believe an SMU commit. He's um, he's back and just should be firing on all cylinders there. But um, nevertheless, though, with John Paul, you have to mention them as far as potentially being able to get back to that level. And mm-hmm. it won't come easy because, I mean, it's the Dallas area, and there's always going to be great teams you have to go through in the Metroplex to get that far in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. naturally, Nolan's going to be great this season. I think Preston would still going to be really, really solid. Um, so, yeah, it's, it won't come easy. But, I mean, with what they accomplished last year and like obviously their offseason was interesting just because of now like just the uh, the unforeseen departures of you know Jaron Bradley their star receiver from last year a taps first team all state kid uh, Grayson James their other uh, starting quarterback they're now off playing in that DeSoto Duncanville district um, so I'm anxious to kind of see how that stabilizes feel a little bit better about where the receiving core is at because they have um they do have now uh, and it's just uh, I guess a, a late addition to the program but uh, Tyler Bailey of, uh, of Prosper the the 96A offensive newcomer of the year last season he's now at john paul and is is i mean this is a kid that abused 6a defenses last year one of the big reasons why prosper was able to make the run that did last season um so yeah they should definitely benefit from uh from his presence on the uh on the field and then i just however the quarterback competition shakes out you know obviously without grayson james you know you've got a few names to choose from guys like chase washington gabe warren hayden ferguson all of whom are you know at least juniors or younger i mean so there is some uh some youth youth there for them to you know to to draw upon, but then um, you know you just you pair that with what's got the potential to be. I mean, one of the elite defenses in our coverage area. Because even though they did lose a couple kids to transfers in that respect, though they still have what honestly might be one of the one of the five best secondaries in the state. I mean, it's I mean they got three Division One prospects in that secondary with Braxton Myers, Terrence Brooks, Charlie uh, Charlie Daniels. I mean, there's um you know, there's a lot of talent there on the back end for them. On top of you know some guys that each um you know within the uh, within the front seven. So. I mean, John Paul's going to be, they're going to be really solid once again. You know, they're not going to be sneaking up on anybody this season. But again, like I said, it's it's Taps football in the Dallas area, so <laughs> nothing is nothing is a given. But I think they're, uh, as just from a sheer talent standpoint, they've got the, uh, the pieces in place to make another promising run this season. All right, so that'll, uh, let's see, that'll move us to our third question, our second to last question of our season preview. Last week we talked, David, um, about teams that we foresee having the best defenses in our coverage area. Going to go on the other side of the ball, talk about some of the elite offenses that we have um, in our coverage area this season. So which teams do you see having the best offenses that we cover? Mm. Well, there's a couple in uh, District 66A that I mm-hmm. really, really like. Okay. Um, Louisville and Marcus. That's a good – yes, those are two very good yeah, choices. Yeah, that, 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 like the, the skill position players that they have on both teams. I mm-hmm. mean, when those two teams play each other, we can have like a 45-44 game this year. Oh, yeah. Just like last season. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Louisville, they got a Taylor Green coming back at quarterback, 25 TDs a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, almost 2,300 passing yards. And um, still had 12, 12 rushing touchdowns as well, too. So he's a dual-threat quarterback Absolutely. right there. Boise State commit. Boise State. Go, go Broncos. And um, 
Uh, obviously, Damian Martinez came into the fold last year. Uh, I think he's a sophomore last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, got uh, district uh, offensive newcomer of the year. And uh, he rushed for over 600 yards and eight TDs. And, of course, you know, the, the wide receivers that they got, Marnie Amar- Winfield. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a stud. You know, eight touchdowns, uh, almost 800 receiving yards. And uh, on, on the other side of him is Isaiah Stevens. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good one, two, three punch right there. Big, uh, big expectations for Louisville this big, season, just with all of that that continuity that they have. You yeah. know, we'll see what they've got. Obviously, some guys to replace on defense, but they are pretty fortified up front on offense as well, just to go along with all that ridiculous talent at the skill positions. Exactly. Like I said, more than 2,200 yards back passing-wise, more than 1,100 rushing yards returned from last season, mm-hmm. and then more than 1,400 receiving yards are back. So, yeah, it's, it sets up nicely for Louisville to build off a year in which they, they averaged 38.5 points per game and 385 yards per game last season, and I could very well see that being the number one offense in 6-6-A when all said and done. Yeah. Um, let's see, Devin, where did you land on this as far as an option for the best offense in our coverage area? You know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, Lone Star and, and Ryan, yeah. and, and rightfully so. Uh, but somewhat overlooked sometimes is Frisco Independence. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that was coming off you know, their best season in school history, make, make it to the regional semifinals. And if they were placed in a different district, they'd be a district favorite in a lot of those. They could have oh, been yeah. the answer to the number one if they were in a different district. <laughs> in most uh, districts, you see that you have the number 12 ranked team in the state in your district, and you're thinking, oh, crap, everything runs through them. And then you have the number one and two yeah, teams yeah. in that same district. Yep. And, and, and as much as we talked about the you know Lone Star and their video game offensive numbers, I mean, look at Independence. They oh, yeah. put up huge numbers last year. They have eight returning starters, uh, you know, Braylon Braxton, their outstanding oh, yeah. quarterback, counted for more than 4,000 yards, 56 touchdowns last season, you know, threw for more than 3,000, rushed for nearly 1,000. Mm. He's only going to be better this year. Uh, they one of the best tight ends in the state uh, with Elijah Arroyo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zagil McMillan it, it leads a receiving group that's that's deep and good, talented. Uh, Reggie Bush, you know, has the name. Uh, you know, he was just <laughs> limited uh, last year, but he averaged seven yards of carry last mm-hmm. year. Uh, interested to see what they do with him. And then, you, you know, on the line, they have two all-district uh, offensive linemen, uh, Trace Madrid, Tyler McKinney. Uh, so this, I mean, this is a group that um, – that's going to be able to put up points. That's going to be a couple fun games when they, especially when they play Lone Star, to mm-hmm. see those two offenses oh, yeah. go back out. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, like I say, don't uh, don't sleep on this Independence team because uh, it, it's not just. We talked about this kind of being a two-team race for the district championship. Well, Independence can very, make things very interesting, and they yep. could make it a three-team mm-hmm. fair. But don't forget about Jaden Orr, thousand-yard rusher yep. last year. Mm-hmm. I always wonder where, you know, a team like – it feels like forever when we've had this discussion, McKinney North always works its way into the mix. I mean, it was last year. I think they did have the best offense in our coverage yeah. area. And it's – I mean, they just rewrote the record books for McKinney ISD. Um, you know, this year, obviously, they've got a ton to replace. So if they do get back – I mean, it's basically just a belief in the system that they've, uh, they've been able to have, uh, you know, have so much success running all these years. Because, um, I mean, outside of, outside of J.J. Henry, I mean, there really aren't a whole lot of tried-and-true contributors on that uh, on that offense obviously Jaden Smith saw time and you know in relief of Manny Fincher last year and you know still impressed and it feels like it's been forever since North didn't have a great running back um, but obviously you got to see what shakes out a quarterback between you know Hayden Richardson Gavin Constantine they're going to be pretty young just elsewhere at receiver beyond uh, Henry but again I mean just you look at what that system has done in recent years and obviously they've got a new um, new offensive coordinator and whatnot with Kendall Brewer taking over for Kyle Harden who's now the head coach over at Crandall 
Um, so, I mean, nevertheless, the McKinney North, just their track record does suggest they're still going to be formidable on offense, though it's just going to be, it might take a little bit of time for them to get there because they do have so many newcomers, but it also helps though when you do have one of the best receivers in the entire state to throw to on the outside with J.J. Henry. And naturally, I mean, it's, you know, I hate to beat, you know, beat a dead horse, but Alan has to be obviously mentioned in this kind of conversation <laughs> yep. as well, just because if, for all the question marks as to who's going to replace who on defense, that offense, though, as we've you know, mentioned earlier there, just their skill positions are just so stocked with, um, you know, again, Jordan Johnson at running back. You know, he didn't start the year as the, uh, as the starting running back. You know, Selden Manning was their starter last season, but when Manning went down about midway, two-thirds of the way through the season, Johnson really, really flourished. He averaged almost 10 yards a carry on the year. You'd imagine with more responsibility that he's going to have another really strong season. Mm-hmm. And then to that same tone, the Green Twins, I mean, it's you got to pick your poison with those two. Yep. I mean, just their, their, their skill sets are so similar and that, I mean, obviously they're, they're incredibly – you could basically take those players and line them up at linebacker and it wouldn't look at all out of place. They're so physical and tough to bring down after the catch. It's – and yeah, like, I mean, it's just you don't know which one is going to, you know, destroy you for an 85-yard touchdown on a, on a deep ball and whatnot. But, you know, if, and again, it sounds like they've, they've settled on their quarterback and it'd be General Booty, the, uh, the transfer from the California area. So we'll see. Again, he's got all the weapons he could, uh, he could ask for as far as getting acclimated to a, to a stage, the caliber of Allen. They've got the majority of their offensive line back, which wasn't the case last season. They had five brand-new starters on the O-line. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, we'll see what happens on the uh, defensive side of the ball, how they answer those questions there. But they, are, uh, they should be pretty well fortified on offense this season for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's see. Let's close this out with a bold prediction. Um, Ooh, always bold. anxious to see where this goes. What is one bold prediction you have for high school football this season? I'll roll with it. Okay. Um, what you got? Well, and I, I, I basically uh, rolled out my predictions, district predictions mm-hmm. over the last week. And, there, I mean, there's some stuff that, you know, Rowlett returning to the playoffs after missing out last year. That's not bold, though. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I think a lot of people would kind of pig, pig them. Uh, but, no, I guess the one that sticks out just, I guess, when you look at from last season, this season, and I kind of – Tip my hand a few weeks ago. Uh, Frisco Liberty will make the playoffs after a one and nine season last okay. year. Okay. Um, nice I, little change of scenery might do them some good over in D two. Yeah, yeah I, I think you know going from one of the smallest schools in Division one, dropping down, and now they're the biggest school in seven five a Division two, getting out of that aforementioned district of doom yeah. uh, with those heavyweights in Division one. Uh, and you can you know you look at their one and nine record. They had some some games where they play, they were competitive. Oh yeah, um, even with schools you know that they were maybe not matched up with very well. Uh, you know they got a return they got sixteen returning starters. Uh, they got a quarterback coming back and Will Glatch who threw for nearly two thousand yards and thirteen touchdowns. They have an outstanding wide receiver Evan Stewart, oh, yeah. four star one of the best uh, wide in the area. Yeah, is just a big time playmaker. He's got offers from all over the country. You know, Connor Holstein, uh, another reliable uh, a guy back there, uh, Jonathan Bone in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their defense has, you know, Prince Ugo. And, I mean, they have several all-district performers on defense. And, and I think, you know, if you just look at the district landscape, and I think you got to, you know, take that into consideration, it just – it's going to be tough – you know, to, to go from one and nine to a playoff team because you got to learn how to win. That's, that's one of the sure. things that some of these teams struggle with. Um, but I think if they can get off to a good start and build some confidence, um, I, I don't know if they can, you know, rise to the top because you know that's that's going to be a tough district with, with you know with Frisco and that group. Yeah. But uh, you know, slide into that third or fourth spot. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the potential is there for for Frisco Liberty to be one of those turnaround stories, going from one win to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. David, where did you land for your bold prediction? 
How bold did you go? Oh, not as bold as Devin. <laughs> Devin, Devin had definitely had. I think he definitely had the boldest one out of anybody right here. So he definitely wins that award right there. Um, I am going to go with the team that I cover, um, who's you know who I mentioned before, who was you know like real young and inexperienced last year, didn't make the playoffs for the first time and since 2012, and that's Capel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Capel's going to make the playoffs. Okay, and. Like, what makes me optimistic about that team is that they had to go through their trials and tribulations last year with all that inexperience that they had. You yeah. know, Ryan Walker, you know, he wasn't the starter coming in last year. Unfortunately, they had an injury situation to Kevin Schumann. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan Walker kind of had to learn, you know, through, like, all the mistakes that he made. Yeah. Yep. And then, obviously, you know, Anthony Black, he's a new re- receiver last year. And, you know, he's got, like, at least a dozen, dozen Division One offers right now. Probably more that's going to come up this year. Mm-hmm. And um, uh got K.J. Liggins, you know, coming back to Capel after playing there his freshman season. Season and and Jason Newell at running back. So, I mean, this is a team that could do some damage this year. And if you take a look at their schedule last year, they lost like the four, like for the games that they lost last mm-hmm. year, including to Marcus um, for those games, they lost by eight or fewer points. Okay. So and their record last year was four and six. So they could have easily had like eight wins last year mm-hmm. and made the playoffs. So, I mean, that like, it shows how close they really were to being, you know, a very competitive team. So, I mean, if you take a look at, like, through all the learning that they did and all the trial by error, I think this is a team that could, you know, maybe slip into the second or third spot in that in that district race right there. For my prediction, I'm kind of going in the, along the same line as far as uh, a couple teams that have been the victim of some very, very tough districts in recent years and perhaps could benefit from a change of scenery. We'll see. But um, yeah. I'm going with uh, Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD to get multiple teams. Oh. Oh. In the playoffs wow. this uh, season. It has only happened three times since Creekview was built back in 1998 um, with uh, with Newman Smith, Creekview, R.L. Turner. It's, um, again, they've that district that they've been in these last couple of years over in 4 or 5A Division One was, I mean, there was a glass ceiling after those top four where you had Denton Ryan, Birdville, Grapevine, Colleyville Heritage. Um, and, yeah, there was just, like, how do you crack that top four if you're, you know, if you're those CFBISD programs? Well, well, realignment has dealt those three a bit of a different landscape. Now they've broken apart, you know, with Creekview now being in Division Two, and then um, you know Newman Smith and Turner being still in Division One. But you look elsewhere in their respective districts, and it feels like you know who your one seed's going to be. Like I feel obviously Lancaster's going to—they're going to run the table in that district without a whole lot of resistance. But once you get beyond them, I mean, there's really no outcome that would shock me from you know two through nine in that district or two through eight. I mean, it's. You know, with the with those Dallas ISD programs and those CFB ISD programs, they're just there's a lot of parity there, and just it's not really one program that's head and shoulders over the other. Like I said, you had a couple that won like three or four games last season, but it's nowhere that you just like. You, what are you supposed to do this week? Yeah. You know, as far as just this this boogeyman of a district that they've been in for these last couple of years. So, Newman Smith and Turner certainly feel like there are going to be more opportunities to compete in that landscape than um you know than in recent years. And then the same thing with Creekview over in um over in four or five A Division two. I believe that's the right district. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, they're in there with, um, you know, with the Fort Worth ISD schools, you know, a lot of whom are, you know, trying to find their footing as well as yeah. far as, be, you know, becoming, a, you know, consistent playoff contenders and whatnot. They do still keep Grapevine in that district. Grapevine was a bit of a surprise dropping down to D2, but I think Grapevine right now is probably your odds on favor to win that district. But then, I mean, who's to say that Creekview and that tricky little flexbone <laughs> offense of theirs that you just don't often see in the uh, in high school football anymore that, you know, if they're able to stabilize there and get a good quarterback and, uh, you know, offensive line and whatnot that they could couldn't uh, you know kind of make a make a bit of a spirited push and maybe contend for a playoff spot in that district now. So yes, if I'm going bold, 
field. I think that the uh, the stars will align that perhaps we could get two teams from CFBISD in the postseason this year. Hasn't happened since 2015. It's not as long a drought as I had imagined, but nevertheless, though, um, that's uh, that's where I'm leaning. So, yeah, if I have to guess, it would be Creekview and Newman Smith that are the ones that qualify. Arl Turner, you know, first-year head coach and Michael Farda, they're, uh, you know, just their offseason was a little bit rocky just because of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the county-wide health orders and whatnot. Did yeah. not get to spend as much time together as a first-year head coach would have liked. So, um, for this, this is just kind of a, you know, a, a culture building, kind of a, a groundwork laying season for them. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Creekview Newman Smith in the playoffs. Lock it down. Lock, Lock it. it down. Lock it down. And that'll, uh, that'll do it guys. We have, um, yes, 20 questions are in the books. We have, uh, and that is our, that is our, uh, our high school football season preview. Once again, it all gets going on Thursday. We've all got games on the docket. Um, let's see, I'm going to be out at McKinney ISD stadium covering flower mound against McKinney Boyd should be a fascinating game between two fringe playoff teams in their respective districts. Both teams are going to be breaking in a bevy of new skill position talent. Excited to see what they've uh, what they've got. Um, what do you guys have going on on Thursday? I'm going to be at Toyota Stadium for a for a game against two uh, really good playoff good teams mm-hmm. from a year ago. Yeah. Um, Frisco Independence, you know, they went further than any team in school history out there mm-hmm. last year, and you know. Brethren Braxton, it's going to be an exciting show just to watch him alone right For there. Sure. And obviously, Frisco, you know, first year under Jeff Harbert, Harbert uh, look what they did last year. And yep. and they returned the district MVP and Chase Lowry. So, I mean, that's, there's some fascinating positions, uh, some uh, fascinating uh, storylines to this one right here. What about you, Devin? What you got lined up on Thursday? I got uh, North Mesquite and Trimble Tech. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a forecast of a future playoff uh, game. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I really wanted to see North Mesquite. I mean, they're, you know, Coach Cedar over there has been trying to build that program, get that program, you know, back, turn back in the right direction. Uh, you know, they've, they've kind of shown glimpses here recently. But, um, I mean, I think this is a North Mesquite team that could be a sleeper to possibly contend for that four spot okay. at, at a 10-6-A. But, uh, you know, again, it's everybody. this is first look for everybody. So I just want to get out there and, and check them out on Thursday night. And, yeah, obviously, as, uh, as has been the case for years, we'll be tweeting out updates from our games along with video highlights, you know, during the games and whatnot. So, uh, yes, make sure you follow us along on social media. And, uh, yeah, guys, it's uh, it's back. High school it's football here. Is, uh, it is here. So, yes. Um, and that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to preview some of those marquee games for the opening week in 5A and 6A. So until then, folks, you take care. We'll talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.